Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. For emerging brands and companies with unfamiliar products that relied on chefs to introduce their foods or beverages to mainstream consumers, the shuttering of restaurants during the pandemic has been especially devastating. But according to the co-founder of the tahini brand Sum Foods, building a successful CPG business is still possible. Prior to the coronavirus outbreak and subsequent shutdown, more than half of Sum Foods sales were to restaurants, which company co-founder Amy Zeidelman explained was a strategic decision to help introduce consumers to tahini and new ways to use sesame seed paste beyond as a key ingredient in hummus. But when dining at restaurants was abruptly halted in early March to help slow the spread of coronavirus, Sum Foods, like many consumer packaged goods companies, quickly changed course to build out its consumer business. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Zeidelman shares strategies for pivoting from wholesale to retail, educating consumers to drive initial trial without face-to-face interaction, and leveraging e-commerce and direct-to-consumer online sales. She also shares how Sum Foods overcame common challenges experienced by small businesses, including efficiently fulfilling and delivering online orders. When Sum Foods first launched its tahini-based products in the U.S. 10 years ago, Zeidelman said most Americans had never heard of the paste, let alone how to use it. And yet, Zeidelman said, she saw great potential if she could only convince consumers to try it. Zoom Foods um, was started, the idea came about actually in 2011 when my oldest sister, Shelby, was visiting our middle sister, Jackie, in Israel. Jackie's been living in Israel since 2008 and was then dating and is now married to a wonderful guy named Omri. And Omri has been in the tahina, or as we call it here in the States, tahini industry in Israel at this point now for over 15 years, but back then for about a decade. And what we didn't know was that tahini in Israel really had a ton of different applications and different appreciation than tahini here in the States. I mean, that's really kind of a low barrier to beat since seven, eight years ago, not many people were even familiar with tahini in the States. And that was really where that opportunity kind of came up for us and where my oldest sister, Shelby, who had a business degree, called me while I was finishing college and said, I need you to do some market research on tahini. And I answered, what is market research? Because I was not studying business. But ultimately, what we found when we really started looking was that tahini could only be found on the bottom shelf of the international aisle. Most consumers were not familiar with the ingredient. The product that was available didn't taste that good. And there was a lot of opportunity to bring high-quality tahini to the American market and ultimately educate consumers about its versatility and health benefits to make it a more popular ingredient here. So that's what we set out to do. What we've really set out to do is to take tahini out of the international aisle and into the nut butter category. So we're really passionate about not only the health benefits of tahini, which, but mainly its versatility, and that's that it's a great alternative to nut butters that Americans are more familiar with 
you know, I'm cooking with or using every day. And so we've set out to educate consumers about how tahini can be great for savory and sweet dishes. Um, you know, most of the conversations that we have is that tahini is good for something more than just hummus because a lot of people are most familiar with tahini in its use in hummus. And that's really kind of uh, what Zoom has become is this voice and, um, you know, bringing this passion for making tahini a more popular pantry staple in the American market. But before Zoom could do this, it needed consumers to try its products and to see the many different ways that tahini could be used beyond hummus. To educate as many consumers as possible as quickly as possible, the company teamed with chefs across the country and made food service the primary focus of its business. Uh, for the first five or so years, we were primarily selling into the restaurant industry. And so we were selling in a large format, 40-pound bucket, which we still do, um, and primarily to amazing chefs all across the country. And the benefit in that was that, A, they were taking more volume than consumers who were unfamiliar with tahini, right? A chef can use 40 pounds of tahini in, say, a week, and a consumer might take three months to go through an 11-ounce jar that they bought, you know, off the shelf. So that was one thing that we really focused on for a long time was this opportunity to sell tahini to great chefs. They were also really our allies in helping to educate the market about tahini, how it can be, you know, dishes can be better when you use high quality tahini and also its versatility. So through our relationships with chefs over those first five or so years, the demand for tahini started growing in the consumer market because chefs were sharing their recipes, Hummus continued to be a popular, you know, um, staple in certain dietary preferences like the Mediterranean diet. Other things that have kind of influenced tahini success is that it's compatible with a lot of dietary preferences. And so what's been really cool is that as the interest of tahini has grown in the restaurant industry, the interest for tahini has also grown throughout food media and publications and has ultimately trickled down to consumers' interest in tahini as well. So we really saw that consumer interest and appreciation for tahini grow over the past couple years, especially. It's been really exciting to see that vision kind of come to fruition for us. While working with chefs and restaurants to drive initial trial is not currently an option for Zoom Foods or other emerging brands, Zeitelman said companies of all sizes can still educate consumers, albeit on a different scale by providing recipes and other content to inspire and educate shoppers. Even some of our longest customers online, when we release a recipe, they're still showing appreciation or hopefully will always show appreciation for when we give them ideas to use for more than just hummus. And so that's what's really exciting, especially because tahini is so versatile. Even when you crack the code and start making it into salad dressings a lot, people can't believe how much value or like how much depth it adds to putting a little bit in your soup or then making a stir fry sauce with it or then baking with it. You know, everybody always has, even myself and our team, has a new way of kind of discovering all the ways that you can use tahini. Building on this, the company even compiled many of its ideas into a new cookbook, which it will promote along with a series of videos that double as education and outreach for new consumers. So before the coronavirus outbreak, Zoom Foods was already in the process of shifting its portfolio from primarily wholesale to more of an even split between restaurants and retail. 
and it was doing this primarily by leveraging e-commerce through a two-prong approach with sales on Amazon and its direct-to-consumer website. The way that we were able to transition to the consumer side of things, which to be honest, definitely has a double-edged sword, but we made our products available on Amazon. And that was because because we were selling to chefs all across the country, people all across the country were interested in the product. Now, it's still, even if they're a little bit interested, it's still really hard to bring somebody to your website and get them to check out there. And most people are already shopping on Amazon. And so we decided that the best way for us to be able to get our product into the hands of you know, cooks all across the country was to have it available on that platform. Now, we've also always had it available on our website, and we love when our consumers purchase from our website, but we also recognize the reality uh, or really the value that Amazon could bring to us in terms of overcoming some of those consumer hurdles of online shoppers. Amazon was also a great solution for us because it's so hard to get into grocery stores and it's very resource intensive, whether that's time or capital. And so selling online was really just for us with, you know, no outside funding yet to be able to accomplish that goal of reaching home cooks faster than either trying to get into lots of grocery stores or bringing people to our website. And, and the product has honestly taken on a life of its own on Amazon. What's something that we, you know, yes, we are, and we're working with a great marketing agency to bring more people to our website, and we have an awesome newsletter, and we have great engagement with our customers, but Amazon will always have more shoppers than ZoomFoods.com, you know, um, unless we really put in the capital to bring people there. And that's something that we're passionate about because we love having that direct connection with our consumers. But we also recognize that most people are like me. And it's much easier for me to sometimes purchase something on Amazon than go through somebody's website. As a business decision, they've been a really great partner to help us accomplish that goal of selling to people all across the country. And in that respect, in that more people are on Amazon, they also, that's also a value that they're giving to us. You know, as a small business, especially five years ago, they almost provided us a service by making our product available to all the people that were searching on, on you know, through their marketplace. While selling online allowed Zoom Foods to reach a larger consumer base, it required a different portfolio of products than in stores or in food service. Obviously, Zeidelman said, Zoom could not sell online the 40-pound buckets of tahini that most restaurants bought. But the team quickly learned it also couldn't sell single jars as it might at a farmer's market or in a brick-and-mortar store. For a long time, we sold mostly single jars, but we realized that selling one jar at a time was really hard on our margins. Shipping is extremely expensive the time it takes to create the box and fill the box because we do all of our pick and pack within our warehouse with one warehouse manager um, and so or one warehouse coordinator. And so several years ago, we decided to sell at least two of everything. So you'll see there's a two-pack of tahini or a two-pack of our 16-ounce tahini or a two-pack of the Ceylon. Um, and that was really, A, our doubling down on the fact like we were empowering our consumers saying you can use this much tahini and you can use it confidently 
And don't worry because it has a long shelf life, so buying two might be scary, but it's okay. And over the past couple years, people have gotten more and more comfortable with buying more tahini. Um, We've been selling the two-pack of 11-ounce for a very long time. That's actually our most successful skew across both platforms is that two-pack of 11-ounce of tahini, which I find so interesting because there's a two-pack of 16-ounce tahini that's more economic, but people are still choosing that 11-ounce tahini. And that's been something that has been an overarching theme in Zoom's entire life. When we first started, uh, we only had availability to a, it was about a, a half kilo, so like a 17 or so ounce jar of tahini. And I'll never forget that when I was standing in farmer's markets selling it, people would say 17 ounces is too much. Can I have less? So that's why we decided to have this 11-ounce jar. But now that people have become more comfortable with the 11-ounce jar, A, they're more comfortable buying two at a time, and now we've also made those larger varieties more available to consumers. So it's been a lot of trial and error, and we've had the time – you know, to kind of try things and then figure out what's work, also really figure out how much it costs in order to decide what our product offering is. When the pandemic hit, Zeitelman said Zoom Foods had once again reevaluate how it packaged and sold its products online to account for warehouse limitations related to safety and to more efficiently fill the surge in demand during the early pantry stocking days of the pandemic. When COVID hit, actually, because of our limitations in the warehouse, we decided to only sell full cases on our website. So on ZoomFoods.com, we were really finding the most loyal of tahini users ultimately for about a month because we only had our cases available. It was the fastest way to ship. It was the safest way to ship. It was only in the past couple of weeks, I would say three or four weeks, that we have added those two packs and mix and matches to our website. Actually, it was only a couple days ago that we added the variety pack or the pantry sampler where you can buy one of each product because we were really trying to be efficient with the time and the resources that we had available. During the height of the pandemic, the company also temporarily restricted consumers to check out only one type of product at a time, again, so that it could more efficiently fill orders. While the strategy was created in a time of crisis, it could also help emerging brands with limited staff make the most of online order and delivery. So we're only allowing people to check out with one item at a time because when a product is mixed, we have specific boxes for each SKU or each bundle that's available on our website. But when those products start to get mixed, then we have to put those smaller boxes, our two-pack boxes, into a larger box. And we don't have the efficiencies in our operations to know exactly if somebody buys a six-pack of 11-ounce and two Ceylons and two chocolates, what size box that needs to go in, for instance. And it takes a lot of time from our team back there, and our team is really just Rick. I mean, Emil, um, our director of ops and logistics right now, also goes back to pack. I step in when I need to, but those mixed packages – were really challenging on our efficiency in the warehouse. And since we've decided on such limited warehouse hours in order to support all of our team members' needs during this time, mentioning, you know, that Rick has kids at home, he can't be in the warehouse all day. And so respecting that, we decided to limit how people check out on our website for the efficiencies of our team's time. 
even assume foods and the rest of the industry continue to grapple with the changes forced by the ongoing pandemic. Zeitelman said the crisis reinforced her passion for tahini and has pushed the company to explore how to become a more established CPG brand with a broader range of products. I think the best thing that Zoom can come away from this with is a reinvigoration into why we became so passionate about tahini and why we've maintained our passion for tahini for almost 10 years, which is that it's a delicious, nutritious, and versatile ingredient that adds a lot of value to my cooking and I hope to other people's cooking that choose to cook with it. And this has, you know, um, kind of stamped that as, as truth because in a time of stress, more and more people are choosing this ingredient to add to their home pantry. And to me, that's really inspiring and poses an amazing opportunity to continue to reach people that might have not been able to be reached before COVID. I'd love to uh, release some new products. Um, And we've taken a lot of this kind of quote unquote extra time to evaluate that question exactly. And like, where do we want to go from here? And We've been inching our way to becoming more of a CPG product slowly, slowly, and I think COVID has kind of nudged us past that line. And so I'd really like to continue investing into the types of products and what our products are, right? Like what their packaging is, what um, all the different layers that go into somebody bringing a product into their home, the consumer experience, and really make the most and bring that, you know, and, and, and bring that up to becoming more of an established CPG brand as opposed to where we were before, which was an ingredient purveyor, you know, to professional chefs. So that transition, which we've been working on, I think has kind of been nudged along. So I'd love to um, expand the nut butter category like we've done now. Um, or continue to expand the nut butter category and really hear back from customers as well other things that they'd like to see tahini in. You know, I think tahini has an amazing opportunity to become a more familiar CPG ingredient, whether they're buying something that's branded Zoom or not. I'd love to see more tahini salad dressings on the market and tahini in granola bars. And I think that this... um, additional familiarity to tahini that's happening could move tahini in that direction within CPG as a whole. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable and safe week.